Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? This is uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, maybe our most requested guest, especially after I have someone really trippy on, uh, like David Wolf. People were like, get get a science person on. Get the science guy. So uh, I was thrilled that Bill Nye is now the second scientist we, we had on. Brian Green, also an episode that I, I highly recommend if uh, some of our more science-minded weirdos were looking for that episode where, where so many things I think were set in that direction. I was going to say set straight, but just set in that direction and were so pleasant. I highly recommend that episode as well. This is one of the weirdest episodes ever. Um, those of you who follow me on Twitter and Facebook and stuff or, or just uh, read blogs might have heard that uh, the Pete Holmes show was not renewed for more episodes. So I was kind of dealing with that information. Uh, by the way, I'm, do- I'm doing very well. Everybody's been so, so sweet. It's, it's really... Uh, kind of bittersweet and strangely nice to see the outpouring of support for that. So thank you. Uh, I didn't plan on doing this, but thank you. That So much of the show's success, and I do consider it a success, uh, was because of weirdos, people coming out and people supporting the show and, and watching the videos and sharing the videos around online. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's all I have to say. I just have love and thanks for that whole experience. But uh, the letter that I wrote to the, to the fans and to the weirdos is on my Facebook and you can see it on my Twitter and uh, on the Facebook fan page, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure you can see it on, you know, Huffington Post or something. I, I don't. Where do people read news? Anyway, uh, but this this episode is super weird. I, I was just kind of dealing with that uh, news. We took a trip to New York, got to sit down with Bill. I had set it up uh, through his publicist. I don't think uh, Mr. Nye uh, knew anything about the show, which you know happens from time to time. Um, I think he was expecting more of an interview, so when I, <laughs> when I come in there and, you know, want to talk about his divorce, it's, it's probably a little bit weird. But that's the show, man. I'm not, I'm not going to editorialize too much here. I just want to give you a little heads up. I'm aware that this episode is weird. Uh, Bill was writing a book, he mentions at one point. He was running late. He came in, uh, you know, a little stressed, and then, we, and then this happened. And then this happened. So uh, enjoy, guys. I was so happy to sit down with him. It was a real uh, thrill and honor to meet him. And uh, here is the ad. It's Squarespace. You know Squarespace at this point. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes sure your site automatically looks great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for one year. So for a free trial and 10% off your uh, first purchases on new accounts, go to squarespace.com slash weird. All right, guys. Speaking of weird... <laughs> Uh, my talk with the very funny and, and nice to sit down with us, Bill Nye, a.k.a. Bill Nye the Science Guy, a.k.a. William Nye. So when I say this irregardless, that's a hilarious joke. You know what's funny is I say irregardless. Well, irregardless, that's fine. This is dis-irregardless. No, what do I say? This uh, is a triple negative. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. I have some sort of good like this. Irregardless is trouble. I like to say uh, 
intensive, intensive purposes. On per- instead of intents and purposes, I love saying for all intensive purposes. Just to see if you'll get called on it. The answer's no. <laughs> no one cares. No one's listening. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's true. Is that your experience? Do you feel isolated in this world, Bill Nye? No, not at all. <laughs> you feel connected? Pretty much. Alive? Sure. Seen? Yes. Resonated with? Yes. Responded to? Do we have microphone holder uppers? We don't. That's yeah. going to be you the whole time. Okay. All right. Is that annoying? Well, look at you. You're inventing. You invented. How's that? Is that okay? You invented. That was fantastic. Took forever. Which uh, we're in a we're in a room. First of all, it's a real honor to meet you and a pleasure. Uh, thank you. Yeah. What do you say to that? It's really nice. <laughs> I don't know if it's off-putting. No, it's cool. It's much better than I hate you. You suck. Do you get that too? Mm-hmm. Sure. In moderation. Why would I? Don't feel like I understand the the creation debate and stuff. You, yeah, you well, might those get guys some have people. some issues. Yeah. Yeah, but why aren't they? I mean, isn't that supposed to be met with love and stuff? But people get angry. No, no. That I I kid because I love. Just there's once in a while you go into. Oh, I meant them to you, not you to them. That no, they, via them to me, yeah. That they're saying Once in a while, you'll go into, I, rather, will go into, let's pick a, a place of business. Uh, Rite Aid. Uh, not so much Rite Aid. Uh, Outback Steakhouse. No. Um, the Gap. It used to be a video store. What is it now? A used record store. Okay. Okay. And, there we are. And uh, the proprietor or the person there has a screenplay. Ah, that's so much better than that stupid science guy show you did. <laughs> they that, would not say that, that in the pit. He or she would <laughs> tell me that I suck. Really? Yeah. But Bill Nye, the science guy, was like, this is show. not the point. Most of the time, it's great. <laughs> this is, and I'm. I'm I'm working it for comedic effect of here, course. people. No, 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 you're a human person. But it's interesting to know what that's like. Uh, was it Amoeba Records? We can go together and no, speak no, to this No, 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 it was someplace uh, like on 7th Avenue here in New York City. That's something that I think is, is very interesting. Something that we said on the show before is the idea that if you meet a celebrity, okay, and I'm going to say you're a celebrity, sure. don't try to relate to them by shitting on other celebrities. Like, if I was like, Carl Sagan's a hack. Like, some people think that's the way in. Like, I like you, fuck that Sagan guy. You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? I guess so, yeah. Like, Beekman can suck a dick. Um, I did not know that about him. Well, anybody can. I just mean, like, I, I I'll care. take your word I'm for it. I'm not a Beekman's world guy, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, well, that was a different show from a different time. <laughs> and by that, I mean, Beekman was a fine show, and they... Wanted me to, well, we had a long phone call, a couple phone calls, about me writing for Beekman's World. Everybody, I don't know what the listeners are doing. It was 20 years ago. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. No, people are into that. Yeah, so. Uh, I want to hear about Beekman's World. Well, anyway, they, they had a fine idea for a show. Now, the guy that I grew up watching was Mr. Wizard, Don Herbert. Love the Wiz. He was excellent. He was great. He changed the world. I like to say, Don Herbert sent this country to the moon. No, he inspired a generation of scientists and engineers of that time. Absolutely. That went on to work I still on the do space that program. thing. Is that true? That's that my opinion. That has to be true. Absolutely. Well, it's got a little bit true. Yeah. It's got to be a little bit true. Astronauts today probably watched a little bit of Mr. Wizard. Well, it's not, maybe not today, but the guys who built the Apollo spacecraft and all like that, they watched Mr. Wizard. You know, the go. average age at NASA used to be under 30. Really? Now it's barely under 60. 
The kids we're sending into space used to be under 30? Not the kids we're sending, the kids designing the hardware that sent them. Terrifying. Yeah. Well, there were some adults around, at least German rocket scientists. Okay, German makes me more comfortable. Well, it was, I mean, plus it succeeded. I mean, it so, did succeed. So we do have that data. But if it didn't <laughs> succeed, you would have pointed to that 24 year old and been like, that guy, you know, well, he's a horn dog. He's, he's, he's in trouble. Yeah, he's uh, in trouble. But that aside, yes, sir. Beekman's world. <laughs> Did a thing that Don Herbert did, that, which is a fine thing to do. Your show is comprised of one cool demonstration after another. Yes. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Cool, 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 cool. Whereas the Science Guy show had the benefit of some research, and so we made every show about one thing. Mm. Do you follow me? I do. And so that turned out to be pedagogically, as we like to say, from a teaching learning standpoint, more effective. And stood the test of time. No, but I mean, really, that's what happened. No, I understand. Stand by for microphone noise. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> this is a very organic show. Whatever happens is going to happen. I'm going to tell you the Mr. Wizard memory I have. This is going to bond us together as friends. Oh, we're going to be like this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, I wanted us facing. I wanted I'm, to I give, love, give you no, a moment. I love proximity. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. I'm going to be asking you a lot of, like, is there a science to that? For example. And in general, the answer is absolutely yes. Well, the science well, start, of this. Start with the first question. Yeah, sure. The first one was absolutely the yes. science of oh, facing. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> you can interrupt me. Pointing navels, like us pointing together. Somebody uh, a little bit new agey like me would be like, there's nothing interrupting us. You know what I mean? Like the idea that we're facing each other. Like plus, that. Ex- you pick up on a lot Were you going to call me a pussy? No, plus. <laughs> oh, I thought you said plus. Like opposite of minus. <laughs> yes. Uh, in addition. Yes, sir. You pick up a lot of stuff from people's faces. Yes, absolutely. All sorts of cues in the unconscious. But then also, there's something. Well, what, why is looking at a view so nice? You know what I mean? Like when there's nothing encumbering Well, that you. could be from our days on the savannah. And by our, I mean our ancestors. Yeah. <clears throat> when you can see a long way, you're not... As concerned with predators and danger. Right. You're, oh, great. So if you had this thing, I'm going to be in the woods and can't see what's coming, you probably got eliminated more readily than the guys who <laughs> went out where they could see. And found high ground. High ground. So that, that sort of instinct remains inside of That's us. That seems pretty reasonable to me. I'm not sure how we would test it, but there's probably a way. Sure. Well, it goes back to that's why advertising is the way it is. Words are always moving because we like following movement and seeing if something's after us, right? That's right. Uh, your eye is drawn to movement. That's for sure. And by eye, I mean your eye-brain system. <laughs> Some guy at home like this guy's talking about eyes. He means the eye-brain system. Well, I think you were safe saying eye. A lot of knuckleheads. You could. It's hard to say. I don't want to. Like a dog. When a, before a dog lies down, he goes a couple times in mm-hmm. a circle. And I was told that that's because they used to pat down the snow. It's because they come from wolves that were in the snow so that could similarly be happening with humans uh i guess um do you see what i'm saying that's a remnant of their uh, ancestry yeah, i don't know if i walk in circles before i get in bed though is that what you're driving <laughs> however dogs it wouldn't just be snow i mean i've seen dogs arrange their beds what do you like a yeah it's stomp puff knock the pillow so it's just so before they lie down and that's back in the day when it they were on the like, I mean, It wasn't necessarily snow, is all I'm saying. Here's what... Bill, <laughs> little glimpse in your brain, and I'm enjoying it very, very much. No, it's not necessarily snow. It could be it's just nice, some pine boughs. Yes. It could be uh, almost... Sand. It yes, could be sand. Heck. Deep sand. It could be dandelions. <laughs> 
Why are those weeds? They're beautiful. Uh, moderation. They take over. If you ever have a lawn, they're 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 unsightly with their spiky leaves. With that said, a few dandelions in your salad. Not Delicious. Bad. Not I was bad. gonna. I was right there. Not bad. No fooling. It I was just reminds me of sorrel. That other seed. It's kind of a lemony. <laughs> Lettuce thing. Are you a vegetarian? No, no. I toy with it, but no. You toy? I just... I dabble. We had the wonderful uh, Brian Green. Also, mm-hmm. he's at Cornell, right? Uh, no. Cornell he fellow. swings through, yeah. He swings through, and you swing through Cornell oh, as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. All the time. Fucking all over Cornell, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was... Uh, it was... I went to Cornell through, I think, some very... Uh, a remarkable, rather, clerical error, and it changed my life for the better. What do you mean? I mean, there's no way I could get into Cornell. I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, who are these freaking people that go there now? I literally believed you. I was like, oh. No, I mean, this, uh, I did, had a very good physics teacher who's retiring this year. I had, a, I had coffee with him a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. And, um, high school teacher. High school teacher. And this was when the, uh, the AP exam, the advanced placement exam, was this new thing. Really before the disco era. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine, well, yeah, I know, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I did well on that, and I guess that's what happened. But man, <laughs> uh, this uh, the uh, people that go to school there now are so smart. Yeah, I've heard about Cornell. Forgive me because it's a little inflammatory. Somebody that went to Cornell told me this though. They talk about Harvard being hard to get in, easiest to get out. Mm-hmm. Cornell hardest to get, easiest to get in, hardest to get out. Uh, it might be school. easy to get in because it's big. It's a state school. There's seventeen thousand people. Right. Well, this is a, you know this is a Harvard comparison. Sort oh of thing. God, what a what an amazing thing to be able to compare. <laughs> yeah. I will say for the record, and I'm not invested in this. The smartest engineer I've ever met, the most intuitive engineer, the guy with the deepest knowledge of the stuff. Yes. University of Washington. Really? State school, absolutely. Shut your mouth. Smartest astronomer, I mean, in certain ways, I've ever been around University of Washington. Well, Smartest the- geology, University of California, San Diego. <laughs> and I know a lot of really smart, amazing people. Yeah. If I got to pick the, the state schools, it just depends. Well, the they- answer is it just depends. Well, they said, um, I believe this is in Malcolm Gladwell's uh, new book. Uh, they talk about uh, David and Goliath, I believe it's called. Yeah, I have not. I love the Malcolm. Have not read it. Well, you know how Malcolm gets uh, we call Malcolmized Malcolm. the Malk. The Malkster. <laughs> Malkin out with the Malkman. You know, if I'm in an airport, I'm picking up a Malcolm Gladwell. It's right there. I, it's right great. there. No, and you'll good. feel smart. I pick up so much stuff. People listening to the show know those are some of the few books I've read. I haven't even read this book, but it was summarized no, to me. No worries. You can't get, it doesn't matter. No either. reason you can't comment on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, lead on. I guess we are going off uh, anecdotal evidence right now. Somebody <laughs> told me this story. I didn't read it. I'm enjoying your science mind. <laughs> And my non-scientific mind, because I would have no problem summarizing this book, having never read it. <laughs> Absolutely no problem. No bump. Somebody Are re- you the guy? I meet a lot of you. Yes. You'll come up to me and say, is it true that hot water freezes faster than cold water? <laughs> is, that, is that true? People ask me that quite often. <laughs> and we are in the developed world. We're talking on the radio. Or what is this? The electric computer machine that right. the kids use. Yeah. Right. All right. I don't know all about this person who asked me this. Who's sure. happened? It's happened a hundred times in the course of my career or more. But I suspect each of us, in the sound of my voice, within the sound, has access to a freezer. 
<laughs> and you can try this for yourself. That it hasn't even occurred to these people to try it for themselves. <laughs> it's just always a chin stroker for me. I've done, so you're reading. So you heard about the I have, David I've, and Goliath. I've done a little. What you picked up was. Yes, but I wanted to interject. I'll interject with you. I love interjecting. I've done little experiments in my house. <laughs> there are little things. You know what John and I tried? And you're going to love this. Or you're going to hate it. I'm not sure. That one where they were telling uh, uh, Rice, I love you, and Rice, I hate you. Are you familiar with this? This is while the plants are growing? What's that? While plants are growing or the actual oh, not, dried not, kernels yeah, in, dried in the rice. bottle, in the package. You in put the, them in a uh, in the bag. airtight container, in, in like a little glass thing. And this guy in Air Japan time. was saying, I love you to one of the rices. Mm. I hate you to one of the rices. In Japanese. In Japanese. Yeah. Well, see, that's the right question. <laughs> but then they did it. Okay, I'm open to this being But then what happened was one tasted better than the other? Uh, the one that he said, I love you to fermented and was like fragrant, good smelling. The one that he said, I hate you, turned black and molded. And the one that they ignored turned even blacker and moldier. So your face. I'm open-minded, but very skeptical. Yeah, there that, you go. There's cause and effect there. Believe, Has I love anybody it. reproduced this experiment? Well, Pete Holmes tried to <laughs> in my own kitchen. I put a thing, and you know what happened? They both started rotting. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill Nye, at you least. knocked me over with a rice kernel. <laughs> a, a fermented one. Yeah. Well. But at least, you know, at least in that point, I didn't, in that example, I didn't just take it as given. But I don't know if I did it right. You know so I mean? anyway, you're reading David and Goliath. You heard about someone who read David and Goliath, and he or she said... Well, they told me that one of the points he makes is that people that go to easier schools, quote-unquote easier schools, easier to get in, not, not Harvard, where they excel in other ways, where, they're, where they flourish, where they feel like they're a big fish mm-hmm. in a small pond sort of thing, as opposed to being one of a million mm-hmm. tiny fish, learn more social intelligence, learn what it feels like to be a winner, to feel like a champion... Mm-hmm. Go on to start businesses. Go on to have more confidence trying to get into things. Although I have to imagine that like going to Harvard would give you a lot of confidence. But you know what I mean? Like, there, so something about there's a there's a resurgence of people being like, it's okay, go to a state school. That's fantastic. There's people saying it's okay, don't go to college. It's fantastic. Like it's okay. Like just kind of do you. Uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I uh, yeah. I, I, I'm a tinkerer. I like to tink. <laughs> so I went to engineering school. But yeah. it's not for everybody. I mean, I say this, you know, careful what you wish for. I mean, engineering school is a real party. <laughs> but I, I, I miss it. I'm digressing. Imagine me digressing. No, but, please digress. Uh, I would like everybody to get the critical thinking skills, as we say, of uh, science. And I, there's no reason... If the system were set up properly, you couldn't get all that in high school. I understand that. And there's people arguing... That we need, by we, the United States, the United States needs skilled workers. And um, the example of all examples is welding. We need mm. people who can weld. Like if you're going to build wind turbines to capture wind energy to uh, lower our dependence on fossil fuels, somebody's got to weld those things together. This, mm-hmm. for example, let alone build, laying up the fiberglass blades and all these other things. So I get it. But still... A population that's educated, I think, makes better decisions mm-hmm. uh, about the future and so on. Sure, absolutely. And, and learning how to learn is important, wouldn't you say? Learning how to learn is really would but that I had, yes. <laughs> no, it's just 
I think I made it so much harder than it could. Well, this is, you know, my dad, uh, you don't know my dad, uh, and be really hard now insofar as he's not living. Can I tell you that's a joke I make on the show? Whenever anyone brings up a person, I say, I know your dad. Like, I almost said, I know your dad. That I didn't know that, <laughs> and you, you that your comedy instincts were the same as mine. Corey, exactly, a man can dream. Yeah. <laughs> men, men can dream. But like I, on stage, I'll say, "I was watching a movie with my girlfriend." I don't know if you've ever watched a movie with my girlfriend, and then go on. It's like it's brilliant. a built. Yeah, right. Brilliant. Thank you kindly. Put that on the back of a book. No, it's that's good. Bill Nye, brilliant. It's I mean, it's good. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched a movie with his girlfriend, <laughs> but it's troubling. You know what she'll do? She'll talk in the middle of it. That's right. You know what she'll do? She'll take yes. all the popcorn. You know what she'll do? <laughs> you you have had, watched yeah. a movie with Michael. Well, I can't tell you what else we did. <laughs> oh, Bill. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about the joke. That's a specific ex-girlfriend. I'm like, she was kind of yappy. She yapped. No, I, I, not, not I loved her. <laughs> not, not a fan of my girlfriend. My not a fan of the yapping in the movie. Yeah. Well, this was at home. Oh, that. Well, that's a whole nother. That's why you watch it at home. <laughs> that's right. So I wouldn't use the term in a movie at home. I wouldn't use that uh, I said, oh, I preposition. D- I wouldn't either. I said watch well, the movie did. with my girlfriend. Well, you, well, the thing is. If only what? we had an audio recording of this. <laughs> no, what would we do? So you were saying. You were Malcolm saying. Malcolm Gladwell wrote this book. You were saying your dad. My dad took a year off from <laughs> law school. And he ended up in Japanese prisoner war camp, <laughs> which I don't recommend if you oh have a chance to do that. I don't. I would not do that. Uh, How long was he there? Four years, oh forty-four months, longer than anybody else from the U.S. I, every day I think about it. Wow! Just try to understand. That's what. Guess why it just bubbled up. Just try to think how hard that must have been, and how these guys lived through it. And yes. Key to the thing was the sense of humor. That was the key. You just couldn't. I don't think you could get through it otherwise. Yeah. Making jokes about the worst things. Or, or sharing jokes that the Japanese guards couldn't fully grasp or di- from ah, a different culture. So unrelated jokes. I, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked earlier about the usage of the expression dis-irregardless, yep. which apparently was a, it's a triple negative, triple. which was confusing. Which makes too. it true again. Uh, you would think. Minus one cube <laughs> is minus one. Sure. <laughs> But that, that triple is, parody shift or what, change. What does comedy mean to you? I, people love talking to you about science, but I, I know you've also done com- you, you comedy. Know, you're a funny the, fella. Is that well not, as well as what? Anyone funny looking? Huh? <laughs> so <laughs> you gave us a shot to call you funny looking. Well, no one here is going to do that. It's. We kid because we love. Yes, that's right. So comedy is really important, or humor is very important. Yeah, to me, to our family, it was still is very important. Can you tell me why? I I can offer you up why it's important to me, or it's an it's an exercise. It's uh, like singing crossword puzzles or something. It's (laughs) it's uh, it's something that a skill that was encouraged to be developed. Right. If I can use that subjunctive (laughs) passive situation there. Encouraged to be. No, it wasn't be. subjunctive. I was kidding. It was just passive. <laughs> but what I get off on comedy is the connection of it. You know what I mean? Like even bonding and you being like saying, I like saying things like that, like that joke. But then also the experience of being on stage. And I'm sure you get this in public speaking as well as in the comedy you've produced where you say something and you see that you're not the only person that feels X, Y, or Z. It's a, a bond with strangers, you mean? 
it's a bond with strangers. It helps. Yeah. W- the first thing I asked you, I said, are you feeling connected? Are you feeling I'm together? Like I'm like this. But you do feel that way all the time. Uh, not all the time. I, I, I understand that that's a generalization, but you're not having a hard time feeling that way. You get I mean, your right human. Now, yeah, I get my own humor. Yeah, I laugh at my own jokes. No, I, I've I was had saying- women dump me over that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you like your own jokes? I mean, generally, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, generally. That's a big thing Sometimes for me, Sometimes I'm embarrassed at how lame they are, but other times they're okay. Yeah. I'm a big fan of my own sense of humor. I love it. Why I wouldn't I be? I picked up on that. <laughs> See? See? It's that simple. <laughs> but you know what else it is for me? It's just being paid attention to. Audiences I'm love sorry, it. what? Ooh, twice you've done that. <laughs> well, but twice. It was, it's had, great. I mean, there's no goalie. It's funny... <laughs> it's funny because that's what I was about to say is audiences love callbacks when you reference something that you said earlier because you you're do it with panache. If you do it properly. Yeah. But they also I think one of the reasons they like it is because you're re- you're rewarding them for listening. You know what I mean? And they know that you're paying Yeah, that could be. intense intense sure attention books to have them. Been written about this. The callback thing? The callback thing. That could be. People like being listened to. That's why we love Didn't dogs. Did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> here's here's uh, don't bring my mother in. <laughs> a lot of literal interpretations. I wasn't really thinking about. You I now. know, I know. You knew that. Plus, uh, that's a dog, yeah. And you started to talk about dogs by well, sitting down in the snow. No, just now. That's why you like dogs. Oh, because dogs reflect back to you. People yeah. like being reflected mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. If I keep calling you Bill. You know, in theory, you like that. Bill, how are you? Yes. Right? Every time I say it, you must probably like it. Oh, (laughs) you salty dog. I'm talking about dogs again. So, go ahead. I'm going to lunge at you. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's troubling. No, I would never lunge at you. So, go ahead. With what? You have a list of questions. I don't know. No, we just talk. Oh, oh. Is that disappointing? Uh, No, no. Don't you hate being interviewed? It's one of my least favorite things. Really? Being interviewed. No, I don't hate it. Like somebody's checking off questions is what I mean? Like, uh, does hot water freeze faster? <laughs> you have to try it. Uh, <laughs> no, people, they, we, uh, <clears throat> sometimes I'll go off on enormous tangents. Yeah, sure. Oh, and so maybe you benefit. The I can- interviewer might want to bring him or herself back to where he or she was thinking about starting to go. Yeah, not but- on this show. We let things go all the time. Here's a question. Atoms are 99.9% empty space, so what is matter? What's going on here? Matter, as far as we can tell, is atoms repelling each other. That's what makes solid matter, they, as far as we can tell. The movement of them repelling each other? Uh, well, let's say you have your knuckles wrapping against the desktop. Yes, sir. You're, the desktop is repelling your knuckles. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But if we were to shoot x-rays through it, they'd go right through. Right. But the atoms in my hand repelling the atoms in the... Oh, my God. that's it. That is nuts. Because to my uh, simple brain or whatever, I don't understand how something can be, like, made of such empty space. I I know. It's astonishing. Right? Yes. That melts my brain all the time, that the chair you're sitting on should It's mostly nothing. It's mostly nothing. Everything is mostly nothing. I know. So Ernst Rutherford... I won't say my lifelong hero, but somebody you got to admire is shooting his beam of electrons through. Was it a beam? Of, yeah, it was a beam. 
uh, through gold foil, mm-hmm. and most of the electrons go right through. A few of them are deflected a little bit, left, right, up, and down. Right. But once in a while, bang, one comes flying right back at him. Mm-hmm. And he said it's like shooting a howitzer shell at a piece of tissue paper and having it bounce back. <laughs> and that's the nucleus of an atom. Those were nuclei of atoms. That is so badass. That was amazing. That very badass. That's amazing. Uh, this, is, this is what I'm talking about. The reason I was so excited and honored it's to have you on the show. It's somewhat badass. It is. <laughs> it is so badass. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Is this show, I, I like to give people green lights. I like to give people permission to talk about whatever they like. I do, it's like an improv thing. There's a lot of yes and, and we just see where we end up. Unfortunately, we end up a lot of places that frustrate some of the listeners that love science. Like I said, we had Brian Green on recently. I laughed the whole time just at the truth of it. I love the math of it and the truth of it. We talked about the vi- emptiness of the emptiness, how there's nothing in nothingness. And what are we doing here? No. Oh. What is that? Well, just a big bang banged, and uh, for some reason we're here. Right. And that's astonishing. And that we can understand <laughs> that is even, that's the most astonishing. Well, that's the thing that Brian really blew my mind with, is he said, either Einstein said it or Brian Green said it, one or the other. But he said it's inexplicable how ex- explicable the universe is. Yeah, that's a, the most amazing thing, is that we can figure out anything. That's incredible. We are part of the universe. We are stardust. We are star stuff and so that we coagulated and can sit here and talk on the radio or podcast with the electric computer is amazing is amazing absolutely it's amazing how much this is the question that always interests me how much does it inhibit our ability to analyze the world by being a part of it that's what that's why people get degrees in philosophy so they can ponder these things right sure does that not interest you it fascinates me, but that it can't be answered yeah. doesn't fill me with self-doubt and make me live in a box. Right. On a cardboard box and just hope that life will have meaning for me. Absolutely. You're not waiting for something to happen uh, that would prove that. Like the uh, second coming of Christ, let's say. That I'm not anticipating. <laughs> yeah. Although, in a sense, there'll probably be a couple. Couple Christs? Yeah, in a sense, there'll probably be a couple people claiming to have the answers and the way. And oh, you mean so, new Christs? Yeah, and I will probably be skeptical. Sure. Do you feel, though, that there's something else happening here? Like, you know, I know it's a cliche to say that science gives us a lot of what, but not a lot of why. When we talk about religion and mythology and all that sort of stuff, does that resonate with you at all? Do you feel no. a pull there? No. No? No. I... I I gave it a I gave it a long time. I was brought up in the Episcopal Church, uh-huh. and we're talking about uh, English speaking people in the U.S. I mean, there's all sorts of other points of view that I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I just I read the Bible twice. I had the maps. I followed people around. I mean, historically. <laughs> And oh, you went to Jerusalem? You no, went to Jerusalem? no, no. I mean, on the maps. I read the numbers and the thing and the mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just seems much, much more likely to me that humans made it up rather than... But why do we keep making it up? Oh, we, we all... There's two questions. Hmm. Two questions that trouble all of us. And if it. you meet people that say they haven't asked these questions, they're, not, they're lying to you. Mm-hmm. Where did we come from and are we alone mm-hmm. in the universe? Those two questions are deep within us. You just can't help, like, where did we, how did we get here? What are we doing here? What's the deal? What is the meaning of life? Mm -hmm. What should I be doing with my limited time here on this planet? And so on. 
And then you cannot help but wonder when you realize that the Earth is a planet orbiting a star. <clears throat> when you look up at all the other stars, you just cannot help but wonder if there isn't somebody else out there looking back over here. Also wondering. Wondering what we're doing. Yeah. And so these two questions, I think, are so deep and motivating that we end up with all these extraordinary uh, creation myths. Mm-hmm. These uh, stories about where we all came from. And the Big Bang is our story right now in the science community. Right. If we come, if something comes up that's better, we'll discard it. We will. <laughs> yeah. But that's the best story we have right now, based on making observations uh, from our planet. But that—that that is a beautiful story in itself. It's amazing. It's a great story. It sounds like a creation story. Well, that's what I'm saying. It yeah. is. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's based. Uh, we claim on my side of it. It's based on. Um, observation and and the scientific method this way that we understand nature Mm -hmm. so it's compelling for me it is very compelling but even when you said we're stardust i mean that's a that's a great thing that the stuff that we are used to be stars absolutely and then i said this to brian too but the molecules that are in me were in you and this water this water was the same water that dinosaurs drink that's right unbelievable that is unbelievable apparently the case but apparently decays the case, true. Oh, and, and the apparently. case. It is the true case. No, sorry, I may have mumbleized. I don't know why then it's not as uh, satisfying. I don't. Wh- why do we keep turning to, to to myth? Why do we keep wanting a story? Actually, it depends who we is. Yeah, if sure. I may, absolutely. Because I find the Big Bang and the expansion of the universe and um, the carbon nitrogen oxygen cycle in stars that produces the elements a far more compelling story then take my word for it, the Earth is 6,000 years old. I find that story completely unrealistic and, well, inane. Right. Silly. Right, right, right. I I grew up religious, and I never believed uh, in six... That's what we said, six literal days. Uh, One of my favorite things that somebody told me, it was a rabbi, actually, in Israel, he told me uh, the creation story in Genesis isn't to tell us how God created the world, it's to tell us that God created the world. And in that world... This God that we speak of could be the one, not the one. I'm not talking about a, a bearded man, a lifeguard. I'm talking about the Big Bang and all of this. The bearded man, lifeguard. The bearded That's man. good. Yeah, I heard the bearded lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a guy like you sitting around making things. I'm talking about the energy in those stars, the energy of the Big Bang and all that sort of stuff. Well, this is the question. What was before the Big Bang? Right. That's, that's the, the hot water What's one. even meaningful? Is that even a meaningful question to question? And so on. But isn't there no before the Big Bang? Isn't the Big Bang just infinity ex- expanding no, upon infinity? No, I mean, as far as we know, you've ever, you must have used this expression, the arrow of time. Uh, help me and out. We go, we go into the future. There's no going back. Okay. And do you know why? Nobody knows why, but <laughs> it seems to be the way it is. And we do all kinds of tests trying to make it not the way it is, but it's not the it's the way it is. Yeah, are people looking into that? They're trying. That's all to- we do is look into that. That we build particle accelerators, we accelerate particles, we look into deep space and mm. reckon the motion of of uh, galaxies in the cosmos, and we look for this dark energy and this dark matter, and we try to understand why it's all happening the way it is. But it seems to be happening. Uh, one way only. We are all time travelers going one way. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we're in our meat spaceships. Yes, we're in our meat spaceships. The Avid yes. brothers have that great lyric where they say, I'm a breathing time machine. And that's what we are. At this point, I have to remark, like, oh, wow. 
<laughs> I mean, one of the most troubling things, I think, for all of us from when we're a little kid is I, I assume everybody's... What happens when you die? Yeah. Apparently, things just keep happening without you, apparently. Right. That kind of sucks. Is that what makes it less popular to some people? I guess. And by the way, I'm not talking about the people at your debate. I'm talking about people like me. I'm talking about people that aren't satisfied no matter how deep we dig into the what of it all. I'm still like, yeah, but why? I'm right, I'm right there with you. Yeah. What's, so I, where I, did we all come from? Why are we alone? What's going on? Right. Why, why did we get here? What are we supposed to be doing? Why did this explicable universe... If this had been an actual life, you would have been given further instructions on where to go and what to do. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> right. Which this is only a test, this one. Right. But I'm not, I'm not talking about those guys. When I hear that, I'm, I'm right there with you. I believe that's the thing. That's what life is, is figuring this out, and everybody has to kind of figure it out on their own. You did remind me of the guy saying, well, Bill, there is a book. You know what I mean? Like those over and over. over. I found it very condescending and not very good at all. Well, it wasn't condescending to me. It's just he really... I'm not sure... He, I'm trying to phrase this. He says that all the time, and at some level he believes it, but I'm not sure he really does believe it. I love that you said that. That As someone who did grow up very religious, yeah. that's something that I... It's not clear that he really does or he wouldn't be chanting it. I run into but that I may over be wrong, and over. Of course, I may be wrong. The feeling of not believing somebody when they're saying they believe something. I'm like, I don't, I, I can, I feel like I can see the mechanism that want, because you know why? Because I did that. And it was hell for me. I was like, oh, well, Bill, you don't believe in Christ as your personal savior. You're going to burn in a conscious living torment for eternity. Doggone it. And I would, I would be taught that. And I knew I didn't believe it. And, and you could get me very, very angry debating me on it. And that's how I know that even when I meet some people, I, I believe some people really do believe that, but a lot of them are just like me where they're you know, reciting something that they've been given. Well, yeah, and it's, uh, it's knowing that there would be something after this would be great. And maybe there is. Right. But what we say on my side of it is, what would you do differently? You'd start killing, you'd start committing murder? Like, you'd start robbing banks? What, what, what Wait, if you, if you knew there wasn't anything after this? Yeah. Yeah. If there was no hell, right. what, what would you do differently? And we in the humanist community are like, no, we, <laughs> you're trying to raise the standard of living of everybody. We are all in this together. We are all like, we are all one species. And so we're all earthlings. We're all earthlings. Yeah. yeah. Even my old boss. <laughs> <laughs> I was never sure. I guess that does bring me to you dabbling in vegetarianism. What about our, our animals? Do we have a responsibility to them? Well, I think you got to follow your heart there. I mean, when heart's you look, delicious. <laughs> so, some yeah. people listening, yeah. I love a good deep fried heart in Chinatown. Uh, well, but there's people who hunt deer. Yes, and they, the heart is a thing. That's something. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, I'm not joking. I, I don't eat heart. I, I don't eat meat. Yeah. But my friend was talking about yeah. going to Chinatown and eating heart. You can yeah. eat heart. Yeah. Well, I mean, why throw it away? You shouldn't. All right. Yeah. If you're going to kill the animal, so uh, I just got to think that. There's something ancient within us that's seeking a protein. When you go to uh, see, visit, the, visit these uh, tribes in Africa, which aren't, uh, don't have access to all this technology that you and I have, mm -hmm. a big deal to them is to hunt and eat meat. And so it's very, and our teeth are set up, our incisors are set up for meat. So <clears throat> it's reasonable that uh, our ancestors at least ate meat. Yeah. And Have we evolved past that? Though? Well, I don't know. And certainly there are people in the world who live on nothing but vegetables. So 
we are so-called omnivores. Right. And I hearken, of course, to my beloved orcas, the killer whales. Yes. Some of them only eat salmon. Some of them only eat other stuff. And it's like their culture. <laughs> it is. They have communities, pods, and some of them only eat salmon, some of them only eat other things. By other things, you mean algae and Se- seals. And oh, stuff. seals. Yeah, yeah. They're called killer <laughs> whales. They're not called veggie whales. I immediately thought you meant there were vegetarian whales, which was th- blowing my mind well, even there more. There are vegetarian whales, but not orca, yeah, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Orca being the sort of modern native or first American term for the killer whale. Yep. We already have audio evidence of me not knowing what an orca was, but it wasn't this episode. Uh-huh. I do remember asking They're black someone, and white. They're cool looking. Yeah, they're very cool. They're in that uh, documentary, SeaWorld. Don't they have them in SeaWorld? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're huge brains and they're strong and cool looking. But see, I guess that would, that would bring me, oh, your beloved orca, bringing them into a tank and all that sort of stuff. That doesn't feel like wrong or whatever. I don't mean to make you make an ethical stance. Uh, well... When the animals are suffering and sick and their fins bend over, yeah, I always wonder about that. Yeah, but the, it is a spectacular thing when you see them tossing humans around. <laughs> no, it's amazing. So you're saying it's a give and a take. Uh, yeah, and then in the, as far as dolphins go, there's another um, experiment where the, they have a huge pen. Now I'm almost sure I just saw this on television, so it must be true. <laughs> Rather, I believe it's very reasonable that it's true. They have a huge pen where one side of this fence through the water is a, over a quarter mile long, mm-hmm. uh, 440, 400 meters or something. So the dolphins can leave. They can jump over this thing. And apparently they do once in a while, but they come back. Mm-hmm. Because in this pen, they get fed and there's no predators. So, okay, this is an exception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can understand it. From a dolphin's point of view, well, I mean, it's confined. Yeah. And then I got the same neighbors that are always uh, barking. What does a dolphin do? Squeaking. Squeak, yeah, squeak. Squeaking about the same thing. I'm right. sick of that. Well, that, but, you know, the food's good and uh, I don't have to worry about the sharks. That reminds me of humans. I mean, that's what we See? did. That's what I'm bringing us around. But we traded a more wild, connected sort of like like eating with the seasons, all the hippie, sh- all the hippie stuff. You know what I mean? Like that idea of... Going to Even bed. With the seasons is fine. Yeah, yeah, sure it is. I, that's all good. But I'm just saying, like living Native American style. Okay, Native American style. Notice. Yeah. Uh, they don't make airplanes. Right. They don't make radios. Those First Nations. Yeah. Didn't develop this technology that came largely out of Central Europe, and so. Oh, I'm not putting it down. Yeah, but just saying, it's just once you know. Once the technology people run across the non-technology people, there's going to be trouble. <laughs> but the, uh, the, my understanding is the First Nations uh, in the Pacific Northwest were the wealthiest guys. They just The salmon would just swim into their laps, and they wouldn't have to, like, okay, let's hang out. Yeah. And it rained, and it was cold sometimes, but they'd dress for that. They had to <laughs> But they did the same old thing. They had slaves and you know all that stuff. Yeah, not not perfect either. Yeah, well, what's perfect? But mm, the know. slave thing. You know, we all admire engineering. We all admire the ancient Romans, but they had this crazy, brutal system of slavery. That's how they had enough energy to build all this cool stuff. Right. So. That's the first problem you run into when you want to make an empire like that. Is like who's going to do it, and then you enslave people. Uh, it seems to be. Yeah. yeah. But now, it is reasonable that we could harness the power of the sun and the wind. If we just had that storage technology, if we just had that battery. I was going to say, you did a graduation speech at my friend's college, and the whole speech, he remembers it vividly. 
Like when uh, I be- where was this yesterday? No, oh, it was the day before yesterday. I mean, no UMass Lowell. Did you do one recently? Yeah, I'm wearing the UMass Lowell tie. Hey, good for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Massachusetts. Uh, was oh, the, do you know um, <laughs> Bob? Very good. Yeah, just very good. Just a good time at the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, you gave a speech and apparently still give the speech on find the better battery. If you had the better battery, you, we, it. Yeah. With a better battery, we would be doing amazing things. Not just, uh, I'm not being coy here, not just iPhones. You're talking about like all the things we could do. No, huge doing. things. Powering yeah. this building. Powering uh, industry, uh, factories. Right. So the latest thing that I imagine is um, these batteries would be in the basement. Mm-hmm. And they, right now they'd be liquid metal. Have you heard this story? No. So... People are developing this. They started a company. Started, my understanding, it started at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. So where the electrodes of the battery are molten metal, and the one side is molten uh, magnesium, like you use in mag wheels, mm-hmm. and then there's a layer of molten table salt, and I guess with a mixture of a little calcium chloride to melt the sidewalk ice salt. And then on the bottom is a layer of antimony or antimony, the the one uh, next to tin on the periodic table. Sounds like a divorce. Uh, it does, but it's a metal. Yeah. And uh, and so you pump all this electricity into this battery, and it stays hot. Normally, batteries suffer when they're hot, mm-hmm. but this apparently can tolerate being really hot. So you'd have these hot batteries in the basement of every building, and wind blows in the morning and the afternoon and the evening store that energy and the sun shines all day you store that energy and then at night you run off your batteries and this is a theory well the people are developing the battery yeah but getting it that big and reliable and getting electrodes big enough to power buildings is sure non-trivial i, I it's very exciting the idea it's of just that. one idea and this is is when i say stuff like that is that thinking in the box are we so used to batteries being made of metal that we're not thinking about some other material, some carbon nano something or other, right. some uh, unobtainium of the futurativity. Right. So, but nevertheless, if it did work, and you could build it on these large scales, it would, dare I say it, change the world. <laughs> Why did you get evil at the end? Well, <laughs> because uh, it's not evil, it's... The traditional thing that you want from Dr. Frankenstein or somebody is, or, or Pinky in the Brain, sure, if you know them, sure, is to take over the world. <laughs> and if someone, this, this battery that I envision, this technology I envision, would be so effective and uh, so, uh, so good um, that it would change the world. Yeah. It would take over the world. <laughs> and then then you really wouldn't need to burn fossil fuels. Right. You really wouldn't need to. And then we could take a meeting about who's going to not burn fossil fuels anymore. Right. And then, I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me is be like, and then you're assassinated. Like, you're just taken down immediately. So did anybody assassinate Thomas Edison? Well, we didn't have the sniper rifles. <laughs> I'm just well, you had a lot of assassins. <laughs> My goodness. But every third it's guy no was like, I'm a sheepman. Uh, this is an assassin. <laughs> this <right>. Bill. <laughs> well, Mac the Knife. We celebrate it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, no. I don't believe that. I'm just saying it would be a better story if they want to suppress that sort and of so thing. Is somebody suppressing Elon Musk? No, he's the hero of here. He's the real Tony Stark. Right. No, he's a hero. Right. 
Uh, just and the government knows about this battery and no they don't <laughs> they it <laughs> well they don't yeah that, that's that's dumb because everybody's on this planet even if there was a secret society or shadow government well, here's the they're thing. on the planet too and they want these things i yeah, mean well, everybody yeah, does yeah yeah and everybody would like to patent it and get rich that's why we have silicon valley and all that stuff yeah no the i have to say about climate change hit when it. it comes to the conspiracy theory it's just lazy I'm sorry, it's just the easy way out. If there were conspiracy, well, then it's nobody's fault. We just got to find the conspiracy. No, sorry, man. Everybody's fault. Yes. We're all living and breathing and burning our fossil fuelings. Yes. No, get over it. And the, just the, the other preposterous nature of it is they, they want scientists to be in on a conspiracy. Right. So, no, these people are at each other's throats all the time. They just can't wait to prove each other wrong. That's what's celebrated in science, and that sort of misapprehension of the process is kind of charming but it's so loud it's it's just such a noise machine yeah that people have to some extent believed it sure of course i do you think how long do we have with the sun when's the sun burning up Uh, four billion years and not burning up just getting really big and consuming the earth oh right that's right that i just mean no longer useful (laughs) i like to picture it billion is quite a ways yeah it's literally more than you can imagine and that is more than we can imagine so if you wake up you you come out of your womb yeah your mother's womb yeah and start counting you're a little kid you're a baby i don't think you really have the capability but but somehow hypothetically yes and you're not sleeping you count once a second you don't get to a billion till 31 and a half years. Oh, my gosh. So, so it's, just, it's just, it's really a big number. That is a big number. It's hard to imagine. That's one of my questions. I said, what is a good science fact that's like an impressive like, pickup line or part, like something that you love telling people that really is interesting? Well, this, that's the, a good one the right there. The bigness of billions is pretty good. That's a very good one. Here's one that I find, since we're talking about religion, and it's also interesting, here's one that I find very troubling. Hmm. We have a, um, in your mind's head, we have a major league football stadium, 60,000 seats, whatever it is, 70,000. Dallas with standing room, it's over 100,000. Okay. Um, and in the rules of this thought experiment, you get to sit in a different seat every day, <laughs> and you watch life go by down there on the field, right? Well, if you live to be 82 and seven weeks, it depends on leap years, how it comes out, six and a half, seven and a half weeks. Right? Yep. If you live to be 82 and seven weeks, that's 30,000 days. Oh, my gosh. You don't get halfway around, and you're dead, okay? And 82 is a pretty good run. I mean, we all hope to break it, but that's a pretty good run. <laughs> yes, sir. So either you are paralyzed by self-doubt. What am I doing here? I've only got 30,000 days. Or every time you get a chance, you live your life as well as you can. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. So what are you going to do? That's good. I, the, the, the pickup thing that was interesting, I, again, talking about... Oh, you're picking up women. Picking up women. Hilarious, brilliant science insights. Well, I do think it's something interesting about the exchange of energy, the idea that the molecules in you, Bill, at the beginning of this interview could be part of me at some point. Or, you know what I mean? The like, intercourse of the universe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. And we've all, no doubt, breathed some of the same air molecules. That's right. Certainly, in this, and in this room, I mean, you're getting my carbon dioxide, at least. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. 
No, it's it's part. Of, I've been doing it for years. Yeah, you're filtering it all the time. Yeah, it's how I roll. What is your origin story? What is the thing that clicked you that was like, oh, science is for me. This is this is the moment. Um, to, I would say a couple things. First of all, I remember watching bees, and just being fascinated with bees. Sure, hover backwards, up, down like helicopters. And uh, I had a book about helicopters I thought was amazing. <laughs> I'm like four years old at this point. Yeah, yeah. Maybe less. And um, then I got, and my brother had a chemistry set. He had a Lionel or Gilbert chemistry set back when they had, you know, they were dangerous and cool, right? Yeah. And he made ammonia in my hand, in the palm of my hand. Oh, my God. And then when I got stung by one of these bees, my mom put ammonia on it. And it was like, <laughs> this connection. And then, and then um, they gave me, by they, my mother gave me a cigar box back when we had this sort of thing. Extant, yeah, sure. With the glassware that my grandfather, her father, had used as an organic chemist. And back in those days, like my uh, niece and nephew are both... Uh, uh, chemical engineers. They have freaking PhDs in chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, they write these computer programs that my grandfather would be completely inaccessible to him. I don't know what this thing is. What do you mean a computer program that right. chem draws? Anyway, in those days, people like my grandfather could blow their own glass. That was a skill that they were taught in college and they learned. So I, I had all this cool looking glassware, custom made, custom blown glassware. Um, Retorts and uh, condensers and crazy little curly QE things, and I just thought it was cool. Yeah, I just wanted to be part of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. And then when you realized you wanted to do it as a career, I know I know you worked at Boeing and all that sort of stuff, so you weren't always. Well, I was working at a bike shop, uh, so I really liked bicycling. Mm-hmm. I still do, and it was a way to get out of the house. I really enjoyed that. And the other thing I discovered about bicycles, you can just go a long way. Without that much work, because mm-hmm. it's wheels on a road. The key is the uh, is the right of way. You know, people wonder why wheels have never evolved in nature. It's a hard thing to get a bearing to have living tissue make spin. But we have fingernails, we have feathers. You know why not? Right. So um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I was working at a bike shop, and this older guy there just was all excited about going to engineering school. I was fifteen at the time. I thought that sounds cool. So I started looking into it. Yeah. And, uh, Otherwise, I don't know. And the physics thing. I had a great physics teacher. The, the guy you had coffee with? Yeah. And it, how's he doing? He's great. He's great. <laughs> he must be proud of you. I mean, that Yeah, yeah, feels... but he's got, I'm telling you, he has a lot of ex-students that have done really well. Really? Yeah. Just one guy. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. In George the... Lang. George Lang. He's awesome. A good man. And I went to his class a couple years ago. I sat in the back of the class. He's so good. He's talking about magnetic fields around conductors, around wires. Yeah. Just the way he explains it and the way it's just he's just really clear. But how do you maintain that passion? He's probably given that lesson plan. I don't know, man. Hundreds of times. That's his business. That's his business. That is his business. Yeah. That is that is the crazy thing. It's like how do you <laughs> you never had a passion for answering how does hot water or cold water freeze faster? 
Wait, what do you mean? I always had that. Is that what you mean? No, I don't. I, you don't like answering that question. Yeah, anymore. I answer the question, but I answer it with, why don't you try it? <laughs> oh, that was more your point. It yeah, wasn't that yeah, you're tired of is, answering. I think you have ex- access. You, as in the developed world, <laughs> here, I'm looking at your clo- the clothing that you're wearing and the right. car you drove in here. I have strong suspicion you've seen a freezer. In fact, I'm certain you've lived through a very cold winter. Right. You could try it. <laughs> What is Which the, is the essence of the scientific process. Absolutely. Is there a question that you're tired of getting? Uh, I mean, no. Not, not really? really, I guess. You're open to it. You're try it. it. Come see if you can come up with one. Well, I think, I think you already said it. It would be like, well, what was before the Big Bang? Oh, I'm not. No, no. I just, I don't know. Right. If you... But then people I see can't. that as weakness and then, well, and then take that. Sorry, man. No, no, no. I don't. There's <laughs> no reason to think that the Big Bang didn't happen, though, just because you don't know what happened before. Right. Don't you want to know? Right. 10 to the minus 43rd seconds? The unknowable time? The Planck time? What's the unknowable time? Well, um, so as far as we can tell, the quantum is the smallest packet of energy in the universe. This is at our current level of understanding. So when people talk about a quantum leap, there's an irony because it's actually the smallest thing. <laughs> it's a tiny... I do millions, billions of quantum leaps every second. Yeah, you do. Actually, <laughs> trillions. And so maybe... I wonder if it's not like uh, an accessible number, like a figure-outable number, like a quadrillion quantum leaps a second. So we're in this... So we're at... Because cellular processes, metabolism. We're in a room with uh, fluorescent lamps. With, and these are filled with mercury vapor, a little tiny bit of liquid, and then they're evacuated, and it volatilizes and becomes a gas. And so we bzz, we run electricity through it, bzz, glows, bzz, hits the paint on the inside of the tube. The electron jumps to a higher energy level, one quantum up, and it decays. It falls down, boop, gives off a photon. That's a quantum. Yes. Tiny packet of energy. Quantum. If you put that into... E equals mc squared, and just solve for time, there's an unknowable time. There's a time that you cannot tell whether you're here or there. You cannot tell when the electron's going to fall from top to bottom, from upper orbit orbital to lower orbital. And that's 10 to the minus 43rd seconds. And it's just cool. <laughs> yes, that's good stuff. It is good stuff. Unknowable well, why time. Why can't we divide that in half? Great question. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's a great question. But this guy, the creationist, this is not, he's not inspired by that question. Right. He just doesn't want to accept it. He doesn't want to believe or it doesn't seem as though he wants to investigate it. Right. Just, nah, don't, I, don't, I got a book. Uh, don't talk to me. Right. Uh, and that's just very troubling for me. I'm not satisfied with that. Furthermore, everything that you can see in this room and this podcast, this, none of this would be possible without the uh, scientific method right. and asking those questions and finding answers to questions like that. Right, right, right. It must be a little bit frustrating that, uh, that people that really don't respect your pr- approach do benefit so greatly from it. I, I, no, no. We, we want to include people. We want to bring them along. Yeah, but, but, it, but I know what you mean. When it comes to climate change especially, yeah, where you have this consortium of fossil fuel industry people that are relentlessly introducing the the idea that scientific uncertainty is the same as doubt, scientific doubt. Right. Just relentlessly. Right. And that is not in anybody's best interest. And these people have children and grandchildren. It's really an irony. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
They will rue the day, as we like to say. You've said two evil things here. I'm just kidding. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, and take over the world. Take over the world. <laughs> uh, but that, well, we, would, we would embrace that person who invented the better battery. Yeah, of course. We would, we'd be more than happy to pay his or her company whatever royalty fees he or she required. Absolutely. Of course. And where is this all headed? Is, are we going to a place? Are we going to be living online? Are we going to back up our brains? Uh, that's a great question. I remind people that a question I am asked quite often what about the singularity? What are you going to do about the singularity? Do you know what I mean? This yeah. is when a computer is supposed to be as uh, elegantly designed as a human brain. Right. What are you going to do when computers are smarter than people? It's a great question. Uh, will they take over the world? Yeah, as long as somebody's burning coal to, run, to make the electricity to run the computer. Yeah. <laughs> but if those guys go home, the computer shuts down, doesn't it? Well, what if the computer finds a way to build itself to shovel the coal for itself? Okay, all right. I just think it's a few weeks away. I just don't think it's going to happen tomorrow afternoon. And, um, or the, I, in the Matrix, they ran on solar power. Uh, which somebody designed, right? Yeah. Right. So, and I mean, it's very reasonable that it will be a problem someday. I just don't think it's going to be in anybody's lifetime that you can think of. Because you can go to places in the world where nobody's made a phone call. Not nobody's made a cell phone call. Nobody's made a phone call. Yeah. And those people are going to be unaffected by this, largely. <laughs> Until one day a huge tripod robot is going to well, walk into the jungle. Either that or they all get cell phones. And we do build solar stations that power the internet for that village. And the people that uh, buy their coffee can no longer rip them off because they have access to uh, the world price of coffee. And they can't take, uh, they won't, don't have to put up with this guy, the middleman. Right. And we raise the standard of living of women and girls. And... The quality of life is improved for every human on earth, and the human birth rate slowly goes down as women and girls become better educated and the world's better for everyone. That would be great. Fucking A. That would be great. Yeah, there you go. And that is a dream. Uh, but the singularity, I think, is a point of great interest, but I don't think it's going to be this turning point where the world changes in a half hour. Right. And we all start driving on the other side of the road or something. <laughs> Not, and green means stop. Not specific to the singularity, but it is from Kurtzwell and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I, how old are you? 58? <laughs> so you're 58. I believe he's in his 50s as well. Yeah. And he really wants to make it to 2042, I believe. That's when he thinks we're going to be able to back up our consciousness. Okay. Okay. We'll you, don't, you don't have any... I, what I mean is that doesn't bother. It doesn't... Uh, it's, it's a goal. Is it? But I'm not going to... Mean, I'd love to have my consciousness backed up. Right. And uh, be able to have sex with old girlfriends electronically forever. That would be great. <laughs> but I'm not counting on it. We've yeah. got other problems. You're not counting on it. That's great. With that said, we have to keep looking up and out. We have to keep exploring space. We have to keep uh, innovating. Yeah. But I'm not like uh, buying a cottage specifically to make it to 2042 with enough dehydrated food and whatever it is. Right, right, right. He might be, and more power to him. But sure. More electricity to them. <laughs> as long as, well, then we are going to need the robots that shovel the coal to keep us plugged in. Well, we have robots that shovel coal now. Boom. Still, they're designed by people generally. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, speaking of sex, we love talking about love and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one thing that made it come to mind is when you observe the, the world, you were talking about omnivores and herbivores and all that sort of stuff. We're also not 
uh, mon- monogam- uh, monogamish. I say monogamish so much. Monogamous, necessarily. People tend to have... <laughs> So that's between you and your wife or your <laughs> girlfriend or whatever. What I mean is you growing up probably weren't just seeing one person. You've seen more than one person. Could be. <laughs> and the word seen, do I understand that? Had, it, had, it, had adult intercourse with more than one person. Where are we going with this? I'm answer what- <laughs> a question with a question. I'm wondering what you think uh, the the ideal model of oh love no the and, monogamy and is a, no no monogamy is apparently a result of evolution of cultures. This is to say, monogamy is set up to keep men from just killing each other. Okay, yeah. If you have one guy accumulates power and takes everybody's wife, eventually other people get fed up with that, and there's, there's sword play. Right. Yeah. Violence. Yeah. Death. So monogamy is set up, and quite reasonably, so that everybody uh, gets along. Right. And we have weddings where we all, we all watch. We're all witnesses. Right. Okay, you two. We're watching you, man. Country Western songs. It's, a whole, it's the theme of the whole thing. Is My who's girl cheating on yeah, whom? Yeah, yeah. Well, who's cheating on whom? Yeah. What need, what woman's need was not satisfied by the guy that she had to dump him and go off with? Dear John, and so on. Right. Do you think that's marriage is good? Well, it's it's evolved. This is to say, it's come into existence uh, for very good reasons. So yeah, I'd say it's good. It's good in the sense that couldn't you say the same thing? Like, oh, I hear a lot of people on this show be like, well, religion's good. It, it stops some people from murdering and stealing and all that sort of uh, stuff. And marriage also keeps us from killing our brother. No, I just I think the argument for marriage is much stronger than the argument for for. for Although they are in bed Eternal together. Eternal damnation. <laughs> they are in bed together, well, that idea. in this country, yeah. But yeah. in other countries, you have a civil ceremony and, if you feel like it, a wedding ceremony. And okay. in, in, you know, the farther west you go, the more lawless it is. To say, that is to say there's a lot less religion the farther west you go in the U.S. Right. Sure. But uh, I guess, um, do you think it's silly to pledge yourself to one person for you personally? No. No, you're into oh, it. Oh, no, no. It sounds great. <laughs> you, were, you were married, right, briefly? No, no, not legally. Not almost. legally. Almost. It came that close. It was, in, it was declared. We got a letter from the state of California with the great seal affixed. It was never valid. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, that was, there was a lot of trouble there. You know, uh, it's a lot of trouble there. <laughs> there sometimes is, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, it can be a, it can be a problem. But does that mean that was there a ceremony? I mean, yeah, there was a ceremony. Yeah. So it kind of. But fell. there was also a restraining order and some uh, drunk oh driving and some addiction and some other issues that. Uh, what was she troublesome? Up to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Standard joke. <laughs> that sounds horrible. That, that's no, that's very not, traumatic. Uh, yeah. Well, it was hard for me, but I'm sure it's much harder for her. Yeah. Are you in therapy? No. No. <laughs> I'm just wondering, how do you get through all that? Was it just you processing? Live, you live your life. I mean, I was having a midlife crisis. This woman's very funny and charming, very smart. Yeah. Sounded great, but she has... I mean, I, I, I was going to be legal issues. I just can't talk too much yeah. about it. But I did have to, after some unusual behavior, we did go to court, and I do have a restraining order against her and oh, stuff wow. like that. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's, it's just another wacky thing another <laughs> odd little deal yeah 
And what about now? And you don't, obviously you don't have to answer any of these things. We often have people come on and they love talking about their love life, what they're looking for, what they've learned, all that sort of stuff. Uh, well, do you know Billy Buckner? Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Boston. Yeah. So I had, I've had the ball go through my legs. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) More than once. Yeah. And timing is really important. Time, timing. It's really important. Steve Martin. Uh, tell me, what do you mean? You feel, what, what does timing mean to you? It means when you're messing around with your career and you don't pay attention to your love life, you will miss opportunities. Right. Just an example off the top of my head. Was science for you or whatever your pursuit at the time was a, a type of lover? That, I was, I'm divorced myself, and my wife said that I already had a wife, which was comedy. Oh, no. No? It was, I will say this to me, and you can choose to, uh, to embrace, what's the word, project? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that was just an excuse. I mean, I, I just put in the time because I was scared. Yeah. yeah. So. Wait, you were scared? Yeah. Scared of commitment. Blah, blah, blah. What is this going to mean? Am I going to end up as miserable as my parents were? And so. Yeah. That's a fear. Yeah. That's what happened. It's not rocket surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about now? Love in your life? We'll see. Looking? Yeah, we're always looking, baby. <laughs> Going around being nightastic? Sure we are. Meeting the ladies? Sure we do. And that's one of the great things of life, right? Wouldn't you say? Oh, man. So, uh, you know, I am, uh, by many standards, a nerd. Sure. Very in vogue right now. Uh, Yeah, we're we're so hip, uh, being nerdy. (laughs) I strongly recommend to everyone that you learn to dance. Swing dance. Swing dancing is the greatest thing. Bill Nye, the science guy. I got to tell you, as someone who went to a Christian college where, you, you know, you can't like dirty dance. We all learned how to swing dance. So that's very lame. Now I'm 35. I go to a wedding. I'm the coolest guy in the world because I know how to spin a girl. Get into it. So what style did you dance? Do you know? I couldn't answer that question. I don't know how. Because now people throw around East Coast Swing, West Coast Swing, Lindy Hop. Oh, Wow. Tell me about your, your interest in swing, because I am so with you when you're at a wedding, when you're at, out where there's dancing. It's one of the best things in the well, world. Well, it's, it's just a fantastic. It's, it's, there's an expression, the joy of movement. Yes. That's why we like athletics. That's why we play sports. Yep. It's very reasonable to me that our ancestors, who did not like running around being athletic or whatever, disappeared. Yeah. They got out-competed by other tribes that did like that sort of thing. Sure. So um, along that line, um, uh, swing music is just great. Yeah. I just really like that music. Of course. It has a rhythm. It has a beat. It has A-A-B-A construction, as we say, which we all love. Yeah. And uh, the musicianship and the discipline of those people that created that music, man. Right. And I, we're all thinking of the same thing. We're thinking of like, like that being that's a classic a, swing yeah, song. That sounded like uh, uh, sing, sing, sing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then, but I've I've swing danced in a sense. I was in uh, in uh, Texas, and I and they, they were playing very standard. I, I don't know what you think. Country call western that. song. Yeah, country. It wasn't country it's, western. It was more like a, a hoedown. It was. Uh, it wasn't a hoedown. It was like. Uh, it's really escaping me. But what a honky tonk. Honky tonk. They were playing honky tonk music. music is you can swing dance to honky tonk. Absolutely, music. and that's great. No, uh, that's what I'm saying. Everybody thinks you need a zoot I, I, suit and a long watch Lefty, Frizz, Lefty Frizzell, yeah. a honky tonk song. I got a room in a cheap hotel. Uh, 
I couldn't go to sleep because the band kept playing. The band downstairs kept playing a honky tonk beat. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Honky tonk beat is a swing beat. A A B A. A A B A. Great way to meet people. Great way to be physical. Great way to prove that you have the heart strength for intercourse. Uh, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> but it's also like you know people. <laughs> wow, people who aren't. But isn't that from an evolutionary standpoint a little bit of what's happening? Well, a little the, bit of social uh, advertising. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah. yeah, is that you're evaluating each other. That's right. But people who aren't dancing, when they pick each other up, often there will be some sort of touch. You know what I mean? That gets yeah. increased. I mean, before, well before any sort of action. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do we do? We come in, we shake hands. Well, we shake hands. But then if you're, if you're getting drinks and you're seated at a bar, occasionally, eventually, I should say, your knees are going to start touching. Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? <gasps> I don't want to be scandalized oh, here. Oh, my goodness. But then all of a sudden, when they laugh, now they're touching your arm. But that's what dancing gets out of oh, the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, the, immediately, you're holding hands the whole time, That's your fabulous. left hand, and you're, suddenly it's, it's completely acceptable and encouraged to put your hand on their hips. Yes. What a shoulder blade. Or shoulder blade. A swimsuit strap, as I like to say. Shouldn't, wait, your, your hand, oh, your hand kind of goes on the back, right? Your right hand when you're swing dancing. Yeah, but in uh, the Lindy Hop, which is the real fast athletic one, it's kind of shoulder bladey. Oh, really? During, yeah. But then, as you say, during so-called East Coast swing or triple time swing. Right. Double time swing, then you're but then there's, a little lower on the back. There's the intense attention being paid, too, and the traditional sort of man is leading sort of thing. Well, the men usually are taller. Right. So if you're going to pick... The taller guy is going to be spinning you under see, his arm and that sort of stuff. Well, he can see the dance floor. And he's not going to throw you into the punch bowl. And then you can get into a whole fist fight about who should be this. And Well, I'm not worried about that. We're just talking about dance. But I'm just saying there is what something. What do you mean just dance? We're talking about human interaction. The men traditionally lead. Yes. And uh, there's, it's very reasonable that there's evolutionary reasons for that. For men to lead. Yeah. And one of them is the guy's taller, he can see where you're going. But presumably if the woman would be taller, she could lead a, a smaller I, But Yeah. And uh, there's also a thing you see quite a bit, seriously, when you go to the hardcore swing venues, yeah. you'll see two women dancing together and they trade the lead. Hmm. It's very cool. I yeah. have to say, as it just as an outsider. I've been uh, spun before. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've danced, yeah. I've, and there's, there's guys, the other thing that happens, there's guys that want to learn. There's rather, I mean, people who want to learn the other side, mm. the follow side or the lead side, because they want to be instructors or they want to have this intimate knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've followed. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing called the Jill and Jack dance where you do that. Yeah. Where you swap? Yeah, yeah. Who's leading? Yeah. How did it feel? Was it very awkward? It's awkward. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're on the wrong foot the whole time. But oh. that's it's funny. I mean, it's, uh, it's enlightening. <laughs> but you do you roll with it? The the enjoyment for me, I guess, I was putting to you was that sort of the subtlety of it, the way that with your eyes or a look, you can tell the girl that you want her to roll in oh, if man. she's out no, or fingers, roll out. The whole deal. That's that's great, right? Oh, it's fantastic. It's an amazing human puppeteering oh, it's experience. Best. It's the best. It's the best. It's a conversation, as we like to say. Ah, that's what I want you to Dance say. Dance is that's a conversation. Beautiful. That's right. And that's such a great way to get in there. And great. You, you want another question? I can go to my questions. Sure. What time is it? How yeah, well, long does this go on? It two goes hours? until it's done. Three or four hours? It usually is about two hours, but I'll take you as long as you're happy. Everybody well, just I'm, wants I'm to go. I'm miserable, yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> just in general or just No, now? I kid because I love. <laughs> no, I'm writing a book. 
Are you? About evolution as a result of that debate. Every day, all day, every day, you are just filled with anxiety because you should be writing. Oh, I understand that. Yeah. I completely is, understand that. This is no that. exception. Well, we've hit an hour, so all of this is bonus. It's bonus. So let's do another few. Okay, we'll do another See, few. He does have a list of questions. No, they're not questions. Inexplicable, uh, how explicable? These are just notes. The inexplicable, how explicable is the inexplicable? That was just it a quote. That's what that explic is that you're trying to explic. Is it able? To be explicted. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, this is something that I've said many times on the podcast. One of the reasons why people are so excited to have you on is I say things all the time that then people are like, that's not true. One of the things that I've said many times in talking about the order of the universe is if the earth was uh, a little bit further from the sun, would freeze a little bit closer, would that's burn right. up. That is true? Yeah. And this is what we tell you. Uh, and it's an ad. It's, these are words to live by, I think, for anyone. Sure. If things were any other way, things would be different. <laughs> and so you can say it's a miracle and so on that we're here. And that may, that's certainly true from an individual's point of view. But it may be, you know, when I was in school, Carl Sagan and, and um, Frank Drake, another astronomer, the Drake equation, would say, well, let's be conservative. Let's say there's a planet around one in a hundred stars. Mm-hmm. And that would be a conservative estimate. Well, now with the Kepler Space Telescope, uh, it's generally agreed that there's about, well, certainly five planets, if not ten planets, around every star. So you could say they were off by a, their estimate was conservative by a factor of a thousand. Hmm. So when you start having that many planets, you know, 200 billion stars, you're going to have uh, two trillion planets. Then it just seems like. It, it's likely to happen that there'd be living things someplace. Right. Right. You're saying in that big of a playing yeah, field, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah, so, Where, whereas a spiritual person would say, look at how precise this is. That's, yeah, right. That's and proof is, of an order. People get all into these fist fights about the, the um, physical constants of the universe, the uh, Planck constant, the, the qu- size of the quantum, uh, the way water, how long it takes water to get to freeze and turn to a vapor. All these are miraculous things that mm-hmm. have a divine origin. Mm-hmm. And that may be true. But it's also possible that things, if things were any other way, things would be different. That, <laughs> that living things and so on would just be completely different and we'd live on different style planets at different distances from the sun and we wouldn't use water as a solvent to run our cells. We'd use ammonia or chlorine or some exotic thing. And You love ammonia. Oh, the, all the kids are doing it. <laughs> but uh, the, um, the thing about ammonia, it's dangerous, but not that dangerous. Okay. That's why we use it for air conditioning. Oh, yeah. and that's why they included it in children's chemistry sets. Well, they did. They yeah, did. Yeah. Now they don't anymore. No, but it's in Windex, and a lot of kids will get hold of a Windex bottle and live through it. Oh, yeah. well, it is blue. It looks yeah. delicious. Uh, so, uh, anyway... So it is true. I'm susceptible to the. I get it that you know, isn't it a miracle that? Oh, that's not what I was even trying to put to you. I get it, but the uh, moving the Earth around and then saying, "Well, if we were over here, we we wouldn't exist," is true. Yeah, but we're here, so and and we do exist. Right. Just okay, man. (laughs) There's a limit to how much you should freak out. Is my opinion. But I think the people. I think where we run into trouble is people talk about how little you'd have to move the Earth, like one. Oh well, yeah, one degree. But but then, on its axis. But then you'd have a different setup. I mean, you just you just have a different deal. But no life would be part of that. Deal. We, no, 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 no
No, so these guys are drilling in the Antarctic. Yes. They come across ice that has not seen the surface in well over a million years. And there's microbes doing their microbial thing. Yeah, being microby. Yeah. So, so the Earth is an ice ball from life's big picture point of view, so we'll live on an ice ball. Okay, fine. <laughs> the question is, in evolution, is intelligence a natural consequence? This is to say, see, Darwin, one of the things that Darwin discovered was a process by which nature can add complexity. Mm -hmm. And this is to say, since we're on a planet that's getting all this energy from the sun, uh, first of all, plants change the chemistry of the whole planet. They introduced oxygen in the atmosphere. Then we, in sort of parasitic fashion, use the oxygen to do our thing and expel the carbon dioxide. All right. With all this energy pouring in, once in a while we get a, a mutation that's advantageous. So we add complexity, uh, not by random, but by careful sele- by natural selection, by natural selection. Mm-hmm. And so the question, though, is as you're adding complexity, is it natural that you would end up with a nervous system and a brain that can think deep thoughts and then make radios and podcasts and stuff? It's not clear. Right. But it's a cool question. It's a wonderful question to ask. It certainly happened. Right. So does it always happen? I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Right, right, right. Well, that's what – did you watch True Detective? No. Great show. That's what Rust Cole, Matthew McConaughey, plays as a really nihilistic character. And he talks about human consciousness being a tragic misstep in evolution. Nature created an aspect of nature that should not exist by natural law. That's what he says. I'm very skeptical of that point of view. Really? Oh, very skeptical. No, I mean, uh, here's this is an example that I find charming as an aerodynamics guy. Mm. Uh, you know, you look at a jet plane, an airplane, any airplane. It's got a horizontal tail and mm-hmm. a vertical tail. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It has a part sticking up, and the vertical tail has a rudder on it, and the horizontal tail stabilizer has uh, elevators on it. Mm-hmm. Now you can steer. Birds don't have a vertical tail. Right? <laughs> yeah. They don't need one because their brains are so good. They can steer without a vertical tail. Wow. Humans, just throwing money at the problem for decades, built the B-2 bomber. No vertical tail. Way to go, humans. Way to go. We've been doing it. You know, <laughs> you, you're speaking for the birds now. Yeah, We've yeah. been doing it for, for 250, mil- <laughs> well, 150 million years. <laughs> And you guys, that's great. Bully for you. So what I mean is there's a form of intelligence needed to control this organism in flight. Mm -hmm. And that came to be through this addition of complexity through the process of natural selection. So isn't it reasonable that their ability to remember things, their ability to draw conclusions about where their prey would be, uh, their ability to um, observe when the seasons change and fly south, Yep. for example. Isn't it reasonable that as you add complexity, add complexity you end up with a human? <laughs> and then there's the really compelling evidence of that is when you look at all these skulls, all these ancient humans, uh, all these ancient human-like people mm-hmm. that weren't quite human, Neanderthals and Cro-Magnon and those are the famous guys, 
And so apparently if they were dressed like us, you could walk down the street and not really notice a Cro-Magnon, I mean a Neanderthal. They would look enough like us. And there's substantial evidence now that they used to breed with humans. There used to be some intertribal jumping. Right. And so uh, it is reasonable then that their intelligence level wasn't quite as high as ours, or their ability to manipulate their fingers, for example, wasn't quite as high as ours. And we outcompeted them, and here we all are. That's very reasonable. Yeah. That it's an unintended consequence and never should have happened, Matthew McConaughey's character. Yeah. Not Matthew McConaughey, his McConaughey. McConaughey, no, you're, his character. You're throwing down on Matthew McConaughey no, no, right no, now. No, you're no, starting no. a beef. Just, just his character. You're going to have to debate the him. The guy he played in the show that you admire. <laughs> I think that guy's conclusion was wrong. People do enjoy a good nihilist, though. Some, there's something satisfying about a guy that's just like, fuck this, we're a virus, we yeah, shouldn't yeah. exist. Yeah, okay. Can I have your car? <laughs> My car? Go kill yourself. Can I have your car? <laughs> He doesn't have the constitution for suicide. That's what he says. Yeah, or he okay. would. God, what a pain in the neck for the rest <laughs> for of us. <laughs> yeah. You're going to laugh if you watch that show. Just what, what a fun uh, thing to say about that is. Uh, well, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's be real, real good. The, we've, we've covered God. That's normally how we end. Uh, I was going to ask you what helps and you. And I use the expression Jesus and God and so on and geez because it's our culture. Sure. Jeez Louise being the thing that kids like me didn't want to say Jesus Christ. So yeah, I said yeah, Jeez yeah, Louise. Yeah. That's completely good. And just the expression G right there is oh, probably yeah. a derivative bit. Yeah, sure. But uh, uh, I'm sure people before that had their own means of swearing. Yeah. Well, we were the priest of Baal at that point. Two A's. Uh, what, do you, what helps you think is a good question. I was wondering what, what do you do creatively to get you, yourself in a good place? You're probably doing it right now as you're writing I th- this book. I can't stop thinking is my deal. I'm ah. thinking all the time. I just really, I'm not kidding. I really admire people. I, can, I see them. They can just sit there. Um, <laughs> I, Peacefully. Yeah. On the beach. But one of the things I do enjoy is bicycling. Or I like to play baseball. And uh, that's when you're only doing that one thing. I right. really like that. Right. And I have to imagine dancing is the same thing. Dancing, it, it, exactly. It turns your, be- in fact, the best example. It turns your brain off for a little bit. It turns it into this other thing. Yeah. It takes tremendous concentration doing this other thing. And they do studies, you know, on athletes. Uh, they're able to compartmentalize. I asked, you know, I did a show on the science of sports, not changing the subject. You said, what helps you think? No, please. And yeah, I asked uh, Edgar Martinez, if you remember that guy. He was, a, he was a hero in Seattle. He hit more doubles than anybody else in the American League in mm-hmm. baseball. Um, Hope Solo, the goalie for the women's uh, soccer team, women, uh, U.S. women's soccer team. Maurice Green, who was the world's fastest human for a while, a 100-meter dash. Hmm. And you know, what do you think about when they're waiting for the gun to go off? What do you think about when the ball's coming at your head at whatever they can kick it at, 80 miles an hour, 100 hmm. kilometers an hour? Uh, they all said, just try to think about nothing. Hmm. That's the deal. Try to think about nothing. Right. And it's hard to think about nothing, but you get in. But that's what sports does for you. And then I've been I've been to the brunch at Cornell of the four hundred club. Mm. Who are these people? All right, <laughs> they you get a varsity letter and a four point oh mm. grade point average. And can I add or better? Because there's some professors who give you a four point three for an A plus, mm. right? And there's there's a hundred of these people. <laughs> oh man. 
<laughs> what a little I've accomplished. <laughs> so I'm not interviewing them. Yeah, I know. Well, so <laughs> you were, that just calls into question this show. They're doing something else even way better. Captains of industry. Yeah. And so on. But we don't even know what we're doing. But they have. They clearly have that ability. Yeah. When they're playing their games, that's what they're doing. When they're studying, that's what they're doing. Yeah, thinking nothing. Have or, you dabbled in meditation or anything like that? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Does it hook you at, at all? No. No? No. I'd rather go bicycling or swing dancing. A moving meditation. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, right there you now. go. Or skating. I do like ice skating. Now, um... Skiing. I, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about activities. Other winter sports? Uh, well, when you, I lived in the Pacific Northwest, you know, uh, and where you guys, people in New York go to the opera, they go to play, they talk about plays... People in Seattle, Portland area, everybody's got two or three or four pairs of skis, and right. that's what people talk about, and that's what they do. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I was going to ask you, again, this being the, the God part, do you see an importance in myth, uh, stories that help us explain things that don't make sense, that aren't in Well, our... that's where you start thinking. You, it's where you start looking for explanations. It's where you form hypotheses. If the world's on the back of a tur- turtle, what would I expect? Right. Would I feel anything? What if the turtle pulls his or her head in? Would I notice that? That's nighttime. Then can I get to the underside? Can I get off the plystron onto the lower shell? Yeah. For example, of the turtle? And so on. So, yeah, you've got to have stories. And what's the turtle on? <laughs> yeah, the turtle's all the way down. If you've ever heard the turtle, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And the final question we always ask is, uh, oh, one thing. Sorry. Then the final question: What should dummies like me do and read? I, I was think told you're a dummy. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm just I'm using comedy. I need help. Uh, oh, that was that was comedy. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I just mean uh, someone told me to read Pale Blue Dot. Uh, oh, Pale start, Blue Dot's great. Plus, I, start, I, sh- I think you ought to read the latest. Uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell book. Yeah, me wanting to read it. Now. No, I, I would like to start reading it and stop quoting it. Yeah, well, Blindly. I think it's cool. He's, he gives things a lot of thought. Yes. No, I like him very much. Uh, yeah. I mean, where, I mean, you always run into trouble when you've got one idea and you're trying to stretch it into a whole book. But it's, right. But he doesn't. No, he, he doesn't. He does pretty well. He does a very good job. Uh, so I'm just wondering. That, like, then I recommend Elements of Style to everyone. Yeah. So we know how to write properly. And just read that essay, the first essay that E.B. White wrote. Just note well, everybody. The same guy before J.R. Rowling, before um, uh, um, the magic guy, wizard guy. A wizard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Hogwarts. Oh, uh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah, but. Oh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Doggone it. I thought you were looking for the author. Before Harry Potter. Yes. Was Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web was the most popular children's book written in English. Yeah. The same guy who wrote that was the editor of the New York Times. That's just kind of cool. <laughs> and he wrote the essay in the beginning of The Elements of Style that is the benchmark for me. And you, you love proper writing, well, I mean, grammar. Well, it's a goal. Yeah. But it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be plaguing but you. But he, he points out that it's worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's sort of what you get out. That's what I get out of it. Yeah, sure. I, was, I think he probably it wants us to eschew the expression sorta, but just slipped out. <laughs> Gone it. One more fat pitch I failed to connect, <laughs> with which I failed to connect. That's left over from Latin. We don't need that rule anymore. You fat, can end with a preposition, people. Fat pitch? 
That's fantastic. No, that's from the essay. Yeah. So fat, you know, when you're playing baseball, yeah. Sometimes the pitch is very difficult to hit. Yeah. Other times the guy accidentally throws it in such a way that you can hit it. It's fat. That's right. Yeah. That's a brilliant experience. I'm going to take that. A fat pitch is ancient. I mean, it's from the 19th century. I'm I love sure. it. Yeah. It's per- I've never heard it. I've had lots ancient. of conversations. Fat You've never pitch. heard the expression fat pitch? No, sir. Curveball? I know that one. One in the dirt? Trying to get us to swing at a bad pitch in the dirt? Uh, didn't know one in the dirt. Okay, so here's what will happen. It's a game as well as a sport. All right, baseball. Oh, I love All that. Right, okay. <laughs> so uh, the guy is trying to throw the ball in such a way that you will swing at it and miss it. Or you won't even choose to swing, and the guy will call you out. Right? Boom. So what happens is... You get three strikes and you're out. Well, I know all this. Okay. So you have two strikes on you. The guy will throw a curve ball by putting generally in modern curve ball curves down. He puts top spin on it. Yeah. And then it looks like it's going to be a fat pitch, but no, it rolls off the table into the dirt. That's another one rolls off the table? Rolls off the table, and then you swing at it and you're out. And you swung at a bad one in the dirt. And here's the thing. The pitcher and the catcher are in on this. Yeah. The catcher's expecting it to be in the dirt. The those, ball's not going to go through his legs or her legs. Yes. We're all waiting for it. Yeah. And you, the batter, look like even more of a jerk than you would have otherwise because you <laughs> swung at the thing. And he caught it. Yeah. And uh, you're jelly-legged when you start to swing and then you don't swing. Uh-huh. And uh, the best one I ever heard was from the announcer from Detroit. He died not too long ago. Oh, shoot. Your, your listeners know the guy's name. Uh, anyway... Like a house by the side of the road, he just stood there. That's the worst one. I've done that. Just so mediocre. So mediocre. Yeah, but when it's a ball, everyone yells good eye. So, I mean, you had a chance. 50-50. I hit it once in a while. I've hit it. It's pretty satisfying. (laughs) It is. And I love playing the outfield. I mean, I'll play anywhere, but I love playing the outfield. Nothing harder than hitting a round ball with a round bat? It might be a few things. (laughs) But it is difficult. Ted Williams said that. I'm know, just proud. Right. Well, yeah. Just proud that I knew that. That's uh, Bostonian. That's your Massachusetts. There's more more photos of Ted Williams in my house than of me. Cool. <laughs> Where they can't say can't, Massachusetts. <laughs> All right. Oh, the final question is the hardest time you've ever laughed, and then you're out of here. Uh, the hardest time, the hardest laugh I've ever experienced. Yeah. Boy, I have laughed at a lot of things. I believe it. Uh. It, I'm serious. It was a Steve Martin concert, probably. You're not the first person to say a Steve Martin probably, concert. Probably was. Where did you yeah, see him? Of an age, you know, uh, Seattle. But Steve Martin is my my favorite stand-up comedian. Well, I mean, without Steve Martin, I would not be here, and I would love to meet the guy someday. Do not want to hassle him. Would don't love to meet him. Don't meet your heroes. He's going to disappoint you. Well, I just don't want to disappoint him. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't want to take up his time if he's got something else to do. I understand, but. Understand that I won the Steve Martin Lookalike Contest. You did? Yeah, in Seattle. I did not advance beyond Seattle, but that experience changed my life. Yeah. And uh, my claim, and it's an extraordinary claim, and there's no video, it was from a different era, uh, that I understood what the... uh, what Steve Martin was driving at better than the other contestants. That's my claim. I understand. You had a certain aura about you. Well, I just... that you got to make the audience... The audience has to choose to laugh. The audience has to find the absurdity in what you're saying in, their, in themselves and then... Reflect it. 
yeah. Okay, we're moving now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I forgot what I'm going to say. Well, it couldn't have been very important. We've all been that there, right? All right. And then this thing where, you remember when the world blew up? <laughs> and they t- didn't tell all the dumb people? Because they were afraid that... Uh, so good. We all came to this planet on that giant space arc. Le- Ends in a K. Yeah. The discipline in his writing. Hard K sound. Uh, is, it's really good in comedy. It's yeah. It's a good thing. So when you get, and I tell everybody, you know, I, I meet a lot of people who ask about stand-up comedy and they want to participate, try stand-up comedy. They say, do it. Go for it. People don't regret what they do. They regret what they don't do. All good. But when you get to that thing where you got six jokes a minute. Yeah. That's that's hard. Yeah. For an hour or 45 minutes. Sure. That's hard. You know, it's and funny. He could do that. I don't respect Steve Martin for the, the, his uh, following of the rules. I, I respect him for how he didn't follow the rules. The give, way, me, give me an example where he didn't follow the rules. Well, uh, breaking down the fourth wall, calling out like, okay, let's get started like 10 minutes into the show. Yeah. That, to me, was not following <laughs> well, the rules. Let's get started. <laughs> yeah, great. let's get started. Uh, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming by. Yeah, thank you, 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 thank you. And see, then you choose to laugh at some point in that. When he's going, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hate doing this. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's doing that, there's a place where you're going to choose to laugh. And that's going to be the funniest time for you. Yeah. With that said, I have been with my brother and sister and laughed till I can't even breathe. I mean, yeah. And the thing that we're doing now, we grew up with Perry Mason, black and white television show. And the premise of the bit is. Perry Mason's an attorney, a defense attorney, but he's actually a better detective. He's a better crime solver than the professionals. Mm -hmm. And so every week, every week, the guy on the the witness on the stand or out in the hallway or in the house where they're going over the scene of the crime, that person breaks down and confesses to the crime. So the last 54 minutes, this person's been on trial, and now the last... 48 seconds, the person <laughs> breaks down. And along with this is the defense attorney named Hamilton Berger. Like Hamburger, he gets oh. ground up every week by Perry Mason. <laughs> and the guy who played him was fantastic, a guy named William Talisman, who died of smoking, by the way. Mm. He died of lung cancer from smoking. Uh, he would say, I object. I object. Your Honor, I object. I object. Your Honor, I object. And so there's a someone on YouTube has compiled about 30 seconds of I objects, and my brother and I laugh till tears are coming down. Because we lived through this, not realizing really how skilled this guy was to yeah. bring a different intonation to yeah. the same couple of words. And we were really weak. And how good, this, just how great he was. He was a master. He was a master, and... It's this formula that we got sucked into every week. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, God, what's going to happen? <laughs> and it was cool. And it's also, I got to say, to me, there's a hero, and he has, for me, a uniquely American quality that anybody can solve this crime, that anybody can participate in. And this system, the legal system is such that anybody can get a fair shake and mm. so on. <laughs> it's just uh, it had it carried that for me. Yes, it may not carry that for everybody. And that gave you one of your best laughs of your life. It still does. I think still that's does. fantastic. Recently, my brother and I were just like, I just can't stand it. I object. I object. I have no objection. Yeah. 
I have no I, objection, Your Honor. I love those. I protest. <laughs> I protest. Your Honor, I protest. I'm just this fantastic. You're laughing and you haven't Yeah, I don't even know it and I'm into it. And these guys, you know, just, they take it seriously. They're well-dressed. That lighting is so cool. It's this black and white. It's so dramatic. Just fundamental cinematography, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I look back, just like the basics. This is how you do it, peoples. Well, I'll let you up. That's fantastic. All right, everybody. Uh, I encourage you all. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. I encourage you all to embrace the process of science for the betterment of humankind. Put some hot water in your freezer. and If you want... And label it with cold water and come back soon enough so that it doesn't uh, all just freeze. (laughs) And the claim, the extraordinary claim, is that if you make the layer of hot water thin enough, it will evaporate at such a rate in the desiccated environment of the freezer, the dried out air of the freezer, that the evaporation will aid in the cooling off and it will freeze faster than the cold. See if you can make it happen. (laughs) I gotta fly, Bill Nye, the science guy. You have to say, keep it crispy. Cubic, cubic, cubic crispy. Cubic crispy. No, you say, keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy, crispy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bill. This was an honor. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Now leaving nerdist.com. What? <laughs>